Our conversation from BAE Systems. Hello and welcome to this BAE Systems special podcast from New Scientist Live 2018 at the Excel Center here in London. I'm Lynn Parsons and I'll be taking you on a guided tour of the event. Later I'll be talking with Nick Colosimo, BAE Systems technologist, along with Professor Bob Stone from Birmingham University. And in a moment I'll be chatting with Claire Diver, Group Communications Director. But first, let's speak to Valerie Jamieson, who's the creative director of New Scientist Live. Valerie, hello. Hello, Lynn. It's already tremendously busy, and it is, there's an excitement in the air. What's your overview of the event? So what we've tried to do is um, bring together 120 speakers and over 100 exhibitors like BAE Systems. And what we've done is we've brought them together under one roof. And as you say, to create a buzz and excitement about science, engineering and technology that I don't think any other science festival replicates. This is really about inspiring everybody, including the next generation, to take up science and technology and also for exhibitors to really show off the incredible science and technology that they're doing. While I'm talking to you, Valerie, we're actually on the BAE Systems stand. Why is the support of these large organisations so important to you? As you can probably tell, uh, there's so much going on at New Scientist Live. Um, it's a massive enterprise and we need the support of companies like BAE Systems. You know, we have to be realistic about this. These events um, are not cheap to put on. But it's not just um, financial support that's important. BAE Systems has also brought some uh, incredible activities for um, our visitors to really get stuck into. I mean, behind you, there's a whole queue of people waiting to try some uh, virtual reality. And it's, uh, it's just, um, I'm, I'm really keen to have a go myself, actually. Thanks for talking to us, Valerie. We wish you every success with the rest of the event. Thank you very much, Lynn. It's been great talking to you. Our conversation. I'm still here on the BAE Systems stand and joining me now is someone who we've heard on the podcast before, Claire Diver, Group Communications Director. Claire, great to see you again. Thank you, great to be here. We just describe what we have here on the BAE Systems stand, would you? Well, what we've done this year is try to really focus on um, attracting young people to come and do some really hands-on stuff um, and interest kids and kind of younger people in science, technology and maths. So we've got some of our apprentices on the stand doing a great job. We've got the trajectory challenge and then we've got virtual reality for the future cockpit and lots of different things for people to look at and see. And focusing on the RAF because it's their centenary. That's right, so it's the 100 years um, of the RAF that we've been celebrating all year um, with them, including 100 stories that we're putting out over our website and on social media um, and lots of different events around the country and overseas. Claire, you're not just here to represent BAE Systems, you're also here with your family. Do you think an event like this can really inspire young people? I hope so, yeah. As soon as the kids walked in, you know, their eyes sort of widened and they ran off and looked at different things and got quite excited. So I hope if it can kind of light a spark like that in, in children and help them think that science and maths um, and technology are interesting and fun, then I think that's great. Finally, Claire, this is of course a big event, but the business is involved in encouraging STEM subject activities in many other ways. 
Yes, that's right. Um, in the UK, in Australia, in the US, in Saudi, across all of our key markets, really, it's a, it's a big focus. It's really about trying to inspire the next generation um, who will one day maybe come and work for us or for companies in our supply chain. Um, so we do a lot of work with schools, including the Schools Roadshow with the RAF and Navy, which is you know something we're hugely proud of. Your daughter Lucy's here. We're going to have a chat with her. Is that all right? Yes. Good luck, Lucy. Hello. Hello. What have you seen here that you love so far? I like the little robot that hugs me, and I like the little ball challenge that you can do, and I like the virtually the virtuality. Thank you, Lucy. And can we speak to your brother? James, what have you found of interest here and is there something you're looking forward to seeing later? I'm looking forward to seeing a virtual reality thing. That It's like the future cockpit I saw over there. And you had a uh, chat with the robot as well? Yes, I did and it's very nice. Do you think in the future, do you think when you're grown up, there might be robots in the home? Well, if there's robots over there, then of course you're going to have them in the future because they're robots. Thank you very much. Right, I've moved across to the Queen Elizabeth class 3D walkthrough and I'm here with Abigail. Abigail, what's happening here? So here we've got a 3D model of the Queen Elizabeth class uh, carrier, which is being used to train the sailors before they go onto the carrier. There's, it's very vast, it's about three football pitches long and there's many, many corridors that all look the same. So before they go onto it, they have to be taught where to go. So I've been watching people with your Xbox controller looking very excited, working their way through this. So um, would you do that? Would you talk me through it? Of course I can. So we can take you to different rooms like flight control or the bridge and then you can try and get out to the, through the fire escape and onto the flight deck. Take me to the flight deck, Abigail. While Abigail does that, um, I'm looking at a, an enormous television monitor. This is uh, like a really advanced computer game. Uh, it is in 3D, uh, it very much feels, I'm almost feeling quite giddy as we go down these flights of stairs. And actually the, the most interesting thing is the water. I don't think I've ever seen a digital water before look so real. We're now in flight control, which is where all of the aircraft controllers sit. They can see across the whole of the flight deck uh, you can then follow the fire escape to get out. There's fire escape routes throughout the ship. This is to train the sailors how to get in and out in the event of a fire? It is, yes. We've made it onto the flight deck. This model is showing where it's commissioned, so Portsmouth Naval Base. Thanks, Abigail. That was really, really interesting. And now there's uh, something else for me to try out over here. Luke is in charge of the trajectory challenge. I have a silver ball, which I've chosen, okay. but before we do this, uh, tell me exactly what's going on here. All right, so um, participants are allowed to pick whatever ball they like, whatever angle they like, so there's four different angles, and then they get to pick their landing zone of where the ball will land initially. So it doesn't matter where it bounces to, it's where it, land, it hits the ground first. So there's a little bit of mass involved, a little bit of physics involved because different, all the balls have different weights and depending on the weight of the ball and the angle that they've chosen, it'll go a certain distance. Although kids um, just like to chuck the ball down the tube, there is, there is some physics behind it um, because, for example, you've chosen a silver, silver ball, it's a lot heavier, so it will travel faster down the tube 
when it exits the tube, there's going to be gravity on that ball and it's going to pull it downwards. So it's not actually going to travel as far as people think. It's actually going to travel only to four, maybe five, um, because of that gravity constant that's on the ball. So what we've got here, Luke, is a see-through, well, it looks like a drain pipe or a didgeridoo, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, it does. And I'm going to put my, well, I'd like it to go to the, the most extreme angle it can. Is that yeah. position yeah, so one? Position one, where we, have, where we are now. So yeah, and then you get to estimate where you think the ball is going to land. Well, you said with the silver ball, it probably wouldn't go beyond five, but yes. I think, I think mine's a magic ball. I think I'm going to go for seven. Okay, have a go. Okay, I'm just about to let go of my silver ball and three, two, one, whoop! It's but gone to 10! Is it is a 10, but that's where it bounced to. All, all that matters is where it initially hit the ground first. So you hit, you hit the ground at number five and that is, that's your landing position. So I didn't get a poster then? Uh, no, not today. Uh, you can go back to the back of the queue and come back up and you can try again. <laughs> Thank you, Luke. You're welcome. Our conversation. Here at the Technology Zone, I'm joined by Nick Colosimo, BAE Systems Technologist, and Professor Bob Stone from Birmingham University. Now, you've both just been giving a presentation on mixed reality in military aircraft of the future. Nick, give us a bit of background to the technology, first of all, would you? So this is a relationship that goes back probably of the order six years with the University of Birmingham, where we started to induce, introduce the idea of having displays and controls that were entirely flexible and customizable, so we could change what was displayed to the pilot or a commander at any point in the mission. So how will this benefit pilots of the future? So what we're trying to do is a number of things, but uh, augmenting human performance is, is a key challenge. We want the human, the pilot, to be able to make better and faster decisions in the environment, but we also, from an industrial perspective, want to ensure that we have lower cost systems and systems which are much more upgradable and flexible than ever before. So the displays and controls are largely virtual. Uh, Professor Stone, we've talked about the partnerships between BAE Systems and various universities across the UK. What in particular is the University of Birmingham bringing to this project? Well, I was just saying to, to Nick that uh, BAE Systems have never really let me alone because I used to work for British Aerospace many, many moons ago. And I used to work in the, what was called the Human Factors Department. So the work that, that I've been doing in virtual augmented reality since whoa, 1987 has all been human-led, human-centred driven. Um, and that's persisted throughout our involvement with, with Nick and his team at Wharton and indeed as one of the strategic partners for BAE Systems going forward. So it's been very, very valuable and long may it continue. I think we can see the benefits of BAE Systems in all this, but how does the university and its students benefit? Well, we take great care in making sure that where we can, obviously, security permitting, we involve our students in all aspects of design, right from, for example, the original observation of people doing their, their work, right through to actually design the software, and also teach them how to evaluate, how to use objective and subjective measures in trying to make sure that what we deliver is fit for purpose. So that all fits into the teaching and research that, uh, that the youngsters do at, at Birmingham. What sort of questions do the people that are hanging around afterwards, the, the children and the adults, ask you, Nick? So some of the best questions are from the children. And so one of the questions that was asked just earlier was around whether we could use mixed reality as part of a command centre that would allow a human, a remote human pilot, to operate 
an aircraft, a next generation combat aircraft, in a new and novel way. And, and that's something that we, we are in fact looking at. Well, the question I get asked at, at events like this, particularly from the children, is, well, this is incredible. I, you know, I'm, I'm at home playing on my Xbox and my, and my PSVR, but you're actually using it for real, so how can I get involved? And one of the things I like to point out is that if children want to get involved, and we, we deal with children at all levels, cubs, scouts, brownies, is that what they can do is they can actually get the resources and assets free off the web. So they don't have to wait until they, they're in an industrial setting or university. They can get involved now, and I think we, that's what we're trying to encourage as part of the STEM activities in conjunction with BAE Systems. Bob, Nick, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Well, it's been such an incredibly busy day here, and who knows, some of these young people could be the BAE Systems engineers of the future. I'm Lynn Parsons. Thank you for joining us.